This morning we've been, we've been walking through the characteristics of what fully devoted followers look like. What, what, what does a fully devoted follower of Christ look like if you see one? We've said our vision for a long time as a church has been to be a biblical community that loves God and loves and supports one another. And our mission as a church is to reach people who don't yet know Christ and lead them to be fully devoted followers. So what does that mean? What does that look like? We've been walking through those six characteristics, and they're on the screen right now. <clears throat> there you go. So we've been talking about worship, and this morning, I want to encourage you again, write these down and begin to think about and evaluate your own life. How am I doing in these areas? How's my worship? Today, we're going to begin a series, two, three weeks, talking about what connecting looks like. This morning will just be an introduction to what connection is. It's incredibly complex, and we'll continue over the next few weeks looking at what what does growing in Christ and becoming mature look like? What does it look like to serve and to give and to yield to the leadership and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? But I want to begin this morning in this area of connection by looking at what that means, because we're all created for this. In fact, that's the title of the message. We started the series a few weeks ago talking about worship, and we said, we are made for this. You were made to worship. We're hardwired to worship. We're all going to worship something. Well, this morning, that's the, the title is the same, related to connecting. You were made for this. You were made to connect. Even science agrees with the Bible in this area, medical science especially will say that if babies don't connect relationally, there's a syndrome will develop called FTT, failure to thrive. In fact, they'll not only not thrive, they may not survive. They may not even live. They have to connect. They have to be connected to mom and to dad and to to some caregiver, to, to begin to develop in every way, physically, emotionally, relationally, and so on. Uh, we, as we, every, every chance we get, we talk about our grandchildren. You know that. Um, one of the greatest joys in life is to have, having grandchildren. One of the frustrations, though, is when they're born, it's several hours before we can see them and meet them. And, and so we're, you know, we're waiting with great anticipation. We're sitting in the hospital room, you know, waiting until mom and dad says it's time for us to come back. And the reason we have to wait is because doctors have determined, have, have understood that mommy and baby need skin-on-skin -skin time. Baby needs to connect to mom, to hear her voice, to feel her body close, and be able to be secure just know they're safe, and they begin to thrive even more and even more quickly as they transition from womb into the world that we have for them. They need that connection time. From the very moment we are born, we are designed to connect. Connect to the heart of God and to the heart of one another. We need connection. We need connection in every area of our lives. Ladies, in a few weeks, you're going to celebrate, gather together, women uh, of the church here, and celebrate an event called Made to Thrive. And you are. You're made to thrive. I encourage all of you to attend that event 
and experience what worship and connecting to the heart of the Father and to one another as you love him and one another at that event. Uh, in a couple weeks, you just saw the promotion for the XO conference. I want to encourage, and, and, and I'm talking to you now as your pastor, so everybody look up here, would you? Um, I want every married couple and every couple who is thinking about being married or preparing to be married, I want you to come to the XO conference on uh, the first Friday and Saturday, Friday evening, Saturday morning uh, of February. Actually, it'll be the second Friday, Saturday, uh, Friday evening, Saturday morning of February. I think it's the 9th and 10th, 10th and 11th. I'll get the dates right. 10th and 11th, Friday evening and Saturday morning. <clears throat> I want you all to be here um, because we're, we're going to get to connect to the heart of God and to one another in some healthy, fun, helpful ways in our marriage relationships. Uh, I was able to read this morning at 9 o'clock a, a, a note, a testimonial from Jason and Jessica Lake who came last year. They're part of the church here. And I wanted to read this. They were gracious enough to share this testimony about their experience in their own relationship connecting to God and to one another. Um, here's their story. This is Jessica writing. For years, Jason and I were just going through the motions in our marriage, slowly moving further and further away from each other. Jason's priorities went work, kids, marriage, and God. My priorities were kids, kid activities, kid success, marriage, oh, and, oh, and then God. No matter how successful we became with our first priority, we were both so unsatisfied. She said, our marriage became so broken that we decided to stop trying and separate. Jason and I took the time to think about how to work out our separation so it was best for the kids. He would stay with his parents while I had the kids at our house, and I would ask my parents if I could stay with them while Jason had the kids. I called my mother to ask if I could move back home for a few days a week. Her response took me by surprise. She said no. And my mother never says no to me. Her exact words were, quote, put on your big girl panties and handle it. I don't know you can say that in church, but I'm just reading here. <laughs> she goes on to say, I was hurt. I felt like my mother had taken Jason's side. I was angry and I felt alone. I had expected my parents to take me in and love me and help me. As mad as it was at my mother's response, I knew she was probably right. Jason and I decided to stay married. And just keep going through the motions because that would be easier than a divorce. Jason was starting by now to grow in his faith by attending church. He'd been with me before, but it was to appease me and the kids. When he started going to church for himself, he began to find that he was taking something away from each sermon. Jason started to draw closer to God, and his growth was inspiring to me. I began to feel more for my husband than I had in what seemed like a long, long time. Jason asked me about attending the XO conference. We decided to try it out, but we both felt the conference would be most likely painful uh, and that we didn't know how to work on our relationship. We thought the XO conference might help and we could use all the help we could get. And I'll put a quick parenthesis in here. When Jessica first told me about this, she really said what she says, we thought the conference would be dumb, boring, and painful. And we didn't want to, either one of us wanted to go. And so that's what a lot of people believe. And we're going to talk about beliefs today. 
She goes on, going to the EXO conference was one of the best decisions we ever made. The most important lesson we took away from the conference was that we should prioritize our life when married. It should go this way. First God, then spouse, then kids, and then work. We learned that if we put God first and then each other, everything else would fall into place. Our marriage since the EXO conference is better in every way. Knowing God, knowing how much God and Jason love me changed my whole world. Our lives were recently turned upside down with the sudden loss of my mother. Jessica's mom passed away about two months ago. That's when she first told me this story. I'm so thankful that my marriage is at its strongest during my weakest point. I wouldn't be able to get through this grief without God and Jason. This is all possible because my stubborn mother, Christ Church, and the EXO Conference. You never know, friends, when your life will be turned upside down. You want to make sure your marriage is ready to endure the most difficult of times. <clears throat> Let me say, friends, um, and guys, I'll talk to you for a second. If you're a husband and you don't want to go to the EXO Conference, please hear my heart. I'm not talking down to you at all. What I'm saying to you is, if you don't want to go to the EXO conference, and it's just a matter of, don't, of not wanting to go, then it's probably a combination of pride and fear. Would you do this for your wife and for your kids, if you have kids, and for your future? Because if you're going to have one, we all need to invest in these most important relationships so that we connect in healthy ways, and it will be a blast to be here. So plan to be here, if at all possible, and lead your wife and lead your family to glory into the glory of God. See, Jason and Jessica had a belief. They had a belief that the conference was going to be painful, boring, and lame. But their belief was wrong. It wasn't true. And that's the problem with our lives oftentimes, in, especially as it relates to connecting. We have beliefs that keep us from being able to connect to people in, health, in healthy ways. <clears throat> Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, we read that, and if we don't understand, if we have a false belief about what that looks like or what that, how to do that, then we're not going to understand what that really means. That level of love and intimacy in marriage is just all too rare. So let's talk a little bit about what we believe. See, we all have a belief system. You know, put that slide up, and I'll show everybody here. At the core of your, be at the core of your being... You have a belief system. You have a set of beliefs that some of them are true, and some of what you believe is not true. Some of what you believe about you is not true. Some of what you believe about God is not true. Some of what you believe about the Bible is not true. Some of what you believe about church is not true. There's all kinds of a myriad of beliefs in our belief system. Some are true, and some are not. Here's the deal. We have them whether they're true or not, don't we? 
And because we have them, all of our beliefs in our belief system impact every part of our life. So your belief about your physical, your, your core beliefs are going to affect your physical life and your creative life and your emotional life, your financial life. All of these areas of your life, whatever you believe, it's going to impact your life in all of these eight dimensions. That's why it's so important to believe the truth because some of us believe that God is an angry God. If you believe God is an angry God, it's going to affect you. If that's your belief, it's going to affect you emotionally. You're probably, it's going to affect you intellectually. It's going to affect you relationally. It's going to affect you in every way. But if you believe that God is a loving, heavenly Father who wants to adopt you and embrace you and protect you, that will completely change the way you think, the way you relate, the way you express who you are. It's going to change everything about your life. All kinds of beliefs that are either true in your world or in your heart and mind, or they're not true. And these beliefs, many of the beliefs that are false beliefs, that if God is an impersonal, angry, distant God, that's going to affect our ability to connect with him, isn't it? If we believe he's a loving Heavenly Father who wants to connect, it's going to affect our ability to connect with him, isn't it? All of these beliefs have an impact on the way we think and the way we live. If you have an issue, for example, with unforgiveness or anger, that's probably related to a belief, a belief that got developed in you sometime in the past that causes you to think the way you think about yourself and about the people around you. It probably causes you to be fearful and protective And sometimes you lash out, perhaps, or maybe you're just, you hide like Adam and Eve did, and you're constantly hiding, afraid somebody's going to find out something. All of that is connected to your belief system. And so it affects the way you think and the way you relate, and your ability to truly connect relationally. See, in in our lives, in Genesis chapter 3, we find something that happens. We all, maybe you are familiar with what happens in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, the adversary, Satan, comes along and he begins to lie. He's the father of lies. He begins to lie about who God is. And from that time forward, there's a separation between us and God. And from that time on, it's the first time in history of the world that three things began to be experienced by the human race and we've all experienced them. We begin to experience rejection, humiliation, and abandonment. Anybody ever felt any of that? We all have, haven't we? That was when it began. God never intended for any of us to experience rejection, humiliation, or abandonment. And now, some of us in this room believe that God has rejected us, that God has abandoned us, and that God wants to humiliate us. And those, friends, are false beliefs. They're beliefs, but they're not true. And if that's what you believe, it will impact every part of your life. Let's see what happens in Genesis chapter 1. The very beginning of time, God's original intent was for us to have an intimate relationship, connection with him. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image. Now keep in mind, he's already made everything else. Now he's going to make his crowning achievement. That's you. 
He wants to make you. He said, let us make, I want to make you in our image. He's talking in our, it means the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit here. He goes on to say, according to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the cattle, and over all the earth and the creeping things, everything that creeps over the earth. God created man, he created you in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, underline that, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the earth. Number one, you were created to be known. You're created to be known. Notice what it says let, in Genesis 26, let us make man in our image. Now again, if you back up a little bit to Genesis chapter, in chapter 1 to verse 1, 1 through 3, let me explain where you find the us. Because God is, is existent in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the very beginning of time. Let me show you how it works. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God. There's God the Father. You might want to write that in your, in your margin on your Bible, in your Bible or, or highlight it in whatever you're reading on your iPhone. God created the heavens and the earth, verse 2, and the earth was formless and void. Right in your margin, that means chaos and devastation. The earth was chaos and devastation. Why? Why was there so much chaos and devastation on the earth? It's because the work of the adversary always brings chaos and devastation into our lives, doesn't it? Did you notice that that just happens on its own? Did you ever notice that? That chaos and devastation will happen all by itself. You don't really have to plan that. It's like you don't have to plant a weed, right? Weeds just grow. In fact, you could go look at our garden right now. We planted a garden last year, and then we didn't have time to take care of it. And then it became chaos and devastation. That's all there, that's all, the only thing that grows in our garden is weeds eight feet tall. It's got a nice fence around it, you know. Inside, it's chaos and devastation. And that's what happens in our lives when we're not connected to the heart of God. When he is not able in our lives to bring order with his presence, we will have chaos and devastation. He goes on, he says, darkness was over the surface of the deep. That's what happens when God is not there. The Spirit of God, there's the Holy Spirit in verse 2, was moving over the surface of the water. In verse 3, then God said, that's Jesus, the Word of God, let there be light. Jesus is also the light of the world, isn't he? So in the very first three verses of the Bible, you have God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. And they create and bring order out of chaos and devastation. That's what God does. That's why we need so desperately to be connected to his heart. And then in Verse 26, he created you in his image so that you and I could be connected to him. And then he blesses us. We're created to be known by God. That's our primary purpose. God wants a family, and he wants you in it. Therefore, he created you to know you. Just like if those of you who've had children, you know that we anticipate the day that child is born so that we get what? We get to meet them for the very first time, don't we? 
And then we anticipate what they'll be like and what their personality, how it will emerge and what their characteristics and traits and all will be as they continue to grow. And then we get to watch and see what this amazing creation, we get to know them better every single day. That's exactly what God wants with you. Do you believe that? Is that part of your belief? Or do you believe that God created you and then said, good luck. You're on your own. Or maybe you have a belief that you can call on God when, you get, when some of that chaos and devastation happens. That's kind of the way some of us live, isn't it? We think we got this until we start experiencing chaos and devastation, and then we run to God. How about we stay with God and eliminate chaos and devastation? That's what God wants. That's why you're created. That's what you were created for. That's what you're made for. You were made for this. Let's see what, look and see what King David has to say about his life and the way he's connected relationally to God. In Psalm 139, King David, this is a man after God's own heart. Psalm 139 verse 1 says, Oh Lord, you searched me and you know me. You've known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path, my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all my ways, even before there was a word on my tongue. Behold, Lord, you know it all. You even closed me behind and before. You laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain it. Skip down to verse 13. He goes on. He's just amazed. He says, you, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. See, there's no hiding with God. There's no need to hide in any way. Nothing's ever been hidden from God, and he doesn't need you to hide from him. He wants you to draw close to him so you can be connected to him. When I was made in secret, he goes on, skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes had seen my unformed substance, and your in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. You were created to be known. Do you believe that? Known in every way. You're also created to be valued. Valued by God the Father and valued by God's people. You were created to be valued. Do you know, do you know that God is absolutely crazy about you? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that every time God looks at you, he, his heart jumps with delight? That's my son. That's my daughter in whom I am well pleased. Those words are not just reserved for Jesus they're reserved for those who have Jesus living in them. That's for you. God says in Genesis 1.26, we're going to create him in our likeness to let them rule and give them the earth. And he created us in his own image, male and female. He created them. These are the basic needs. We, said, we have already said that the biggest problem that happened in Genesis 3 is we began to experience rejection, humiliation, and abandonment. Here are the, the four basic needs we all need. I encourage you to write these down. The four basic human needs are this. Acceptance, 
security, identity, and purpose. We need to know God accepts us and loves us. We need to know he's going to provide and protect us. We need to know we are his, and we need to know he has a purpose. He's placed a purpose in us from the beginning of time. That's what it says right here in his word. But the enemy, the adversary, wants to steal this truth. And he wants you to believe rather than this truth. He wants you to believe that you have been rejected, humiliated, and abandoned. Now, which do you believe? Which do you believe? Because if you believe that God accepts you, will provide for you, has given you an identity as a son or a daughter and a purpose here, it will change the way you live in every area of your life. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you relate. It changes the way you're able to connect and communicate and stay in healthy, growing relationship with God and with one another. That's what God has done. That's what he said. That's why he said almost everything he has said to us is so we could be in a growing relationship with him and with one another. It's connection. And in a world that's so technically connected but relationally disconnected, this is a very important message for us to hear and to heed, friends. Do you believe that? Do you agree with that? Do we, do we really believe that? Because if we really believe that, then it should change the way we think and the way we live, right? We'll live known instead of in hiding. We'll live knowing we are valued by God. And we will value one another. We'll live with those basic human needs being met and way more. Now, because of sin, we feel rejected. That's why it says in Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. And the whole human race, we, we've, you know, we've inherited that separation. That's why we need Jesus. Because he took up on himself our rejection, humiliation, and abandonment. God placed that on him so you and I would not have to experience that so that we could experience connection with God. Isn't that amazing? Anybody else excited about that? I think that's amazing. Here's why. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him, meaning in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us to adoption as sons, you might put and daughters and princes, through Jesus Christ to himself, According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. You're made to be valued. You're made to be loved. You're made to be chosen. You're made to be adopted. You are made to be a son and a daughter in Jesus Christ. That's what you're made for. Now, you can, if you believe that, if you really believe that, if you really believe it, it will change the way you think. It will change the way you treat yourself, even physically. 
It will change how creative and playful you are. It will change your family and your marriage. It will change the reason you work. It will change the way you manage and steward resources for God's glory. It will change everything. If you really believe that. You were created to be known and valued. And number three, you were created to be blessed. That's what God says in Genesis one twenty-eight. He said, God blessed them. How about I say it this way? God blessed you. Can you receive that? Do you believe that? That God wants to bless you. God has already sent blessing in your direction. We just need to receive it. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I'm going to give you dominion over this planet. You'll be my children. My family will be extended and I will bless you in every way. That's what God's saying to you. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God our fa- and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <laughs> he said it. He said it. Do you believe it? Do you? Do you believe it? Because if you do, if you believe that this is true in your belief system, it changes every part of your life. So, how does this happen? It's all about, see, connection is all about relationship. It's all about relationship, relating to the Father and relating in a healthy relationship to one another. So number, so, so A under B is we all need a Father connection. <clears throat> we all need to be connected to the heart of our Heavenly Father. And that means we need to receive our sonship. And when I say sonship, I'm talking about a generic, in a generic sense, it's both sons and daughters. We need to live as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. So important that we get this. I'm going to do a whole series on this in a few months. It's so important that we live in the reality and the truth that you are a son and a, or a daughter of God. can't begin to express oh i'd be here all day explaining how significant that is we need to receive our sonship we're created you are created to be a son or a daughter of god now that means that we should reciprocate we should respond our desire should be for god and not for other things our desire should be to draw closer to god in relationship with him because he's the only way we need a father connection and we need a family connection We need to be connected to the family of God. This is the family where God has called you to be. Let me say it this way. If this is the family where God has called you to be, you need to jump in and get involved. You need to, last week we had a Catch the Vision class. The next time we do a Catch the Vision class, happened in just a few weeks, if you've not yet been through that class, if you're not yet connected to this body of Christ, I want you to come to the class so we can help you get connected. You need to be connected, friends. We all need to be connected to the heart of God. 
We need to be connected. If you're not in a life group yet, get connected to a life group. If you're not yet serving here, get connected to a serving team here. We need to be connected to one another. It doesn't just happen by just showing up for a few minutes on Sunday morning and then leaving when the service is over and never getting to know anyone, never getting truly connected. That will help you get connected to the heart of God. It will not help you get connected to one another. Come, to, come this Wednesday night. This Wednesday night at 6.30, we're going to have Empower Night. We're going to gather together. We'll have some worship time together. I'm going to share with you some vision and some plans and some ways that God is, is going to lead us over the next few months. I want you to be here Wednesday night at 6.30 so that we can all experience being empowered together. We'll hear what God is saying to us. Together. So that we can embrace it and pray for it and help it happen together. We need to be connected. Come to the equip classes. Come to every opportunity, the Exo Conference, every opportunity you have to get connected. Look, we live in a world that thinks it's connected, but it's not. Isn't that true? How many of you, how many of you will leave this service? And within the first three minutes of this service being over, you will check social media on your iPhone. That's pseudo-community. It is pseudo-connection. It allows us to stay in hiding and see what everybody else is doing and portray a false identity to the rest of the world that isn't even real. Now, I'm not bashing social media. I'm just saying that's what happens. It's just true. Isn't it? You can't get connected on social media. Not this way. Not in a healthy way. God wants to bless you. And he wants to bless you through his family. I love this. Psalm 68, 6 says, God makes a home for the lonely. You know, we're all lonely in some areas of our lives. We all need one another. You were made for this. We need to get connected to the heart of God. When Freedom Ministry comes along, go to Freedom Basics classes. When Kairos comes along this fall, come to Kairos. It's all going to be for you. It's what God wants for us you know when our kids were growing up we used to say this to both Josh and Lauren periodically so many of you know Lauren our daughter we used to we used to take Lauren and set her down on a chair and say to Lauren Lauren you need to know you need to know that if you ever got separated from us or if we didn't even know you if we had never even seen you, we would look and we would look and we would look and we would line up all the little girls in the whole world and we would look and we would look and we would look and we would look until we found you. And we would pick you. Do you know why, Lauren, we would pick you? We would pick you because you belong to us. Don't you see? That's what the Father is saying to you. 
You belong to him. Look what he says. Second Chronicles 16, 9, he says, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You belong to him. He's done everything he can do to be connected to you. And he picks you. And all you have to do is say, yes, I'll be yours. I want to be connected to you too, Daddy. I want what you want. I want what's best for me and for everybody else I know. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Because if you do, it'll change everything. It'll impact and influence every other part of your life. Everything. You were made for this. You were made to be known. You were made to be valued. You were made for bow your heads with me. Because God wants to bless you. Thank you, Father, that what we hear from you is always true. Always. I love that about you, God. I love that. And so today, Father, as we bow before you, I pray you'll provide for every need that's here and pour out your blessing on each and every heart and mind and life. We were made for this, God. And you made this moment for us to experience your presence so we could be connected to you. So my prayer is, especially for those who are here this morning, who feel far from you. Maybe they even feel rejected or abandoned or humiliated. That they'll know the truth. That you want to accept them. You want to receive them. You want to give them safety and security. You want to give them an identity in Jesus. You want to give them a purpose, the purpose for which you created them to begin with. Lord, I pray everybody will respond to you today in all of the ways that you invite us to respond. Provide for every need that's here, Lord, and help us to connect more closely to you every day. And now, Lord, as we minister to one another and pray for one another, I pray that those who or just needing some time to pray or to come and pray for someone else or to have someone pray for them. Draw every person to yourself here to these altars this morning. Lord, as we sing this next song to you, it's in the name of Jesus we pray.